to the Acer podcast. Man, we got a a very uh a very legendary guy on here with us today, man. Uh for those of you who are just now tuning in for the very first time, I go by the name DJ Aaron and I'm on here with my brother Antonio aka Cornbread. What up, what up, bro? And hey, we hey. got Jim Jones on here with us today, man. What's going on, how man? You, how y'all feeling, man? Man, yeah. man. Hey, hey, I'm feeling the gray hair. I'm with you. Look, I'm with you, baby. <laughs> yeah. Show wisdom. wisdom. Lot of wisdom. I ain't there yet. I'm waiting. <laughs> oh, yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, so listen, man, uh, we just want to touch with you um, on a few things. Uh, number one, I wanted to touch you, uh, touch on you with, about the uh, new business that you got going on. Uh, it's Saucy Extracts, right? Yeah, Saucy Extracts is uh, my marijuana uh, brand that I'm a, co- a, a, a partner in. Okay, talk to us about it, man. Um, luxury weed brand. Um, took our uh, New York swag and hustle to the West Coast, where where the weed business uh has been booming for a few years now. And um, you know, the weed is probably one of the most uh profitable situations you can get into right now since um dot com and the gold rush and things like that. So I encourage everybody who has the opportunity to get into the weed business in some type of form uh, to do so, because uh, you're going to make some bread. Right. Yeah, man. So um, for the people that are, because I know I've seen, a lot, I've seen a lot of interviews with you, and I've seen you bigging it up, man. You, seem, you always seem very excited when you talk about it, you know, not just because it's lucrative, but because it seemed like it's something that you just really like to do business-wise. So you got something that's coming out in Portland coming up pretty soon, right? Um, Portland, we got a few things moving. We also have a big facility, out, a saucy uh, extract farm facility out in Portland where we grow our own flour. Um, we have a new brand, uh, the Saucy Lean, with its, um, our own version of what the kids been doing with the scissor, but it's a way more healthier way to get the kids off of using all that bad stuff. So, you know, I'm not encouraging. I'm just letting you know that if you... Besides the indulge, there's a way better substance that you should indulge in, which is all healthy, more organic, and things like that. But um, Paul is a, is, a, is a dope town. We are um, in the midst of opening up the first uh, consumption um, hotel. So, you know, we've been doing a lot out there in Portland. Um, shout out to all my partners, our sources. Go ahead, Antonio. That's good. Um, so, before I ask you the question, um, I want to know how's the family doing with obviously COVID and protesting and everything like that. How you guys doing? Um, everybody's doing good. The family's cool. You know, we ain't been doing too much or too much. We've just been in the house chilling. Whatever I could bring to the house to uh, add a little more, more excitement over here is what we've been doing. Um, I should I, I, I advise everybody to take this shit seriously. Um, people are currently losing their lives. Um, People was just in 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 in, Atlanta, in Miami from my neighborhood from Harlem. I see like the whole Harlem, and now people come back infecting their families with COVID because nobody thought it was real because they was at the pool party and everybody was having a good time. And a few nights of excitement is going to turn into maybe a life of hurt. So they gotta you gotta kind of pick your poison out here. I mean, I know it's hot. I know everybody want to be outside, but now ain't the time to be outside. And I mean that wholeheartedly. But you know, who am I? I'm gonna stick to my guns and make sure that I, I stay stay as way from, stay as far as away from people as I can when I don't need to be. You know what I mean? It's trying to 
slim my chances down a little bit, man. It ain't nothing promised. I can't say it can't happen, but I'm just trying to do the things that can prevent it from happening. And I, I, I advise everybody to do so. Absolutely. And rest in peace, you know, to Fred the Godson, man. Yes, rest in peace to Fred the Godson. A few other people close that, that, that we've seen pass um just this just, is this tragic. Yo, call God for me. Tell him I'm on the, I'm on the phone, Dut. Or, um, or we'll call God for me, Ru. Yeah, so that was going to bring to my question, man. I think uh, you dropped uh, the album of the summer last year, man, with El, El Capo, man. So um, you want to talk to us about how the process was with making that album? Um, I think you went back to back because you had Wasted Talent, I think, the year before that or something. So. You want to talk us through that process or how that was? Well, yeah, El Capo was, you know, I mean, uh, he make his arsonist. We had a great relationship since the beginning of Dipset time. Um, he's one of the originators when it comes to the Dipset sound. He coined the Dipset sound. So, you know, I've been in the studio with him for probably the past five or six years. Just being in there and being close to him and just experimenting with music day in and day out, uh, no matter what I was doing. Every time I was leaving the studio, I make sure I still record a record that me and R was working on and shit like that. And, and it started compiling so many records. And then... I was like, man, we need to do a whole project. We got enough records. And so we just started putting the records together, finishing it up. Um, Fred was there through the whole process, uh, getting his approval of the of the, of the the rhymes and things like that, which was a great thing. I'm going to miss Fred. Like, I kind of had a, a moment last night while I was recording in my house. I felt I, I felt extremely good about what I recorded. And it felt like felt like Fred was helping me a little bit, man. Just felt like he was giving me his approval, man. I, it kind of made me smile. And I mean that wholeheartedly, man. It was a few people that I, I, I really... I really look forward to to their opinion when it comes to my music, and he was one of them. So you know, just just to, just to feel me finding my spirit in my in my pocket again, um, it feels good. You know what I mean? But El, El Capo was all about that, man. It was just and I didn't do it by myself. It was the support of the people around me, the, the days I was living, how we was living, what we was doing. Um, you know, this is a it's a combined effort of life when I whenever I do my music, and this so happens that Austin, this was providing the canvas for me to paint on. So speaking of uh speaking of dipset man, do we have any 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 big news on Joel's man? How's everything? Um Joel's soon home, soon come. Free Joel's till we see Joel's. Um he should be home very soon. I'm looking forward to him coming home. I'm looking forward to him getting back to music. I'm looking forward to us doing his dipset thing. I'm looking forward to supporting him and whatever he wants to do. I'm just looking forward to see my brother. So you know I look forward to it like everybody else look forward to it. Absolutely. So you got um what was it like? What was the Webster What was the what? The Webster Hall situation, you know what I'm saying? Getting back together with Jay Z, Cam, and you guys on the stage together. What was that? What was that situation like? I mean, it was a great, it was a great, it was a great energy. It was it was a great space for hip hop. It was a it was a great move for the culture. It, it showed a lot of growth. It showed a lot of leadership on everybody's part. I mean, it's something that the culture needed to see. Uh, nobody died between whatever the confusion was. Um, nobody's an enemy. Doesn't mean anybody or friends. It just means that people are a little bit more smarter than what we used to be. And Tom heals everything. And with that as being a man, you got to start making the right moves that are going to secure your future and everything around you. And, Little things like that helps. Word, word. Go ahead, Antonio. You were in um, a Hood Classic, State Property 2. Yes. Uh, and you were also, you know, did a couple of reality shows as well. Uh, yes. Um, is that kind of the avenue that you want to do in the future? Um, you know, TV, movies, any shows? 
Anything in the well, future? I, I mean, I love production. I, I love acting. I, I love I love painting pictures on the screen. I got a got a very creative mind. That's why I started directing videos since we were started with the Diplomat album and things like that. So you know, I look forward to pushing the envelope forward when it comes to me doing production or acting in movies or TV screens or reality scripted series. But it doesn't matter. I, I definitely look forward to that. Okay. Yeah. So Jim Jones, real quick, man, I, I don't want to take up a whole lot of your time, but this is something that's important, man. Your health and fitness. Dog, you went from, you, you, went, you got a big, you a big dude now, bro. I'm in shape. Um, I'm not the biggest. Some of these, all these dudes that I'm training with right now, they, they pretty big, but I'm in shape. I mean, I'm in the best shape of my life. I'm in better shape than I am right now at 43 than I was when I was, in my late teens, in my in my twenties, and my thirties, so it feels good. You know what I mean? Health is wealth. Um, it's also a great form of therapy. Um, for those that can't get to a doctor, can't afford a doctor to talk to them, you can talk to the weights and, and go through the motions with their battles and struggles, and that's what the pain comes from, and that's what the weights represent. What's one artist that you have not worked with yet that you would like to? One artist that I have not worked with yet that I would like to. Um, there's a plethora of artists that I have not. Give me a couple. Give me a couple then. Talk to me. I would say Drake is a, is a, is an artist I would like to work with. Uh, okay. Little Baby is a dope artist I would like to work with. Uh, Maxwell is an artist I would like to work with. Um, Pharrell is an artist I would like to work with. Uh, Baby is an artist I would like to work with. Uh, <laughs> Kendrick Lamar, uh, it's a lot, man. You know what I mean? So El hopefully I'll knock the bucket list down. Make it happen. El Capo uh, 2. El Capo 2, make it happen. It's coming. Well, right now I'm working on a project with Harry Fraud. It's called the Fraud Department. Shit is coming out phenomenal. Like, coming out way iller than I thought it was. Uh, so I'm excited for this, uh, for this project to drop this summer. So I got some new summer heat coming also. I will be dropping the, the, the deluxe to El Capo this summer. So you have a lot of music from Capo this summer. So we're going to set it off in July and August, back to back. Um, first, I would like to ask, uh, what have you done for your country, DJ Aaron? What have you done, man? What have I done lately? Yeah. Um, I went out and I uh, cleaned up a bunch of stuff off the street earlier. So I guess that was good for the environment. All right, I, I, I barbecued on the Fourth of July. That's the that's the most I've done, man. Oh, okay, okay. We have we have a an Olympian on today, man. So uh, this is two for us. Two of us, okay. I would yeah. like to uh, introduce uh, Shante McMillan to the Eight Square Podcast. How are you doing? Good. How are you guys? Great, great. We're great. We're great. As always, um, when we have interviews, we love for you to introduce and tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up. Maybe went to school, whatever you like to tell the the listeners. Sure. I am from Rolla, Missouri. I'll start there. Um, my parents were in the Army, brought me here. And then uh, I became really good at track. So I got scholarships across the country. And then I decided to go to the University of Nebraska. And then I just kept getting better at track. And I started moving all over. Um, I decided to move to Ohio first, where my coach... Uh, trained me to the Olympics. So I made the 2012 Olympic team and I'm still training to this day. But now my life includes a one and a half year old son and a husband as well. <laughs> I'm sure that's very busy. 
It is. Yeah. But I still got to be selfish with my own training. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so the 2012 Olympics was in London, correct? Is that correct? Yes, or? sir. Yes. Do you mind going us through that, how that process was being that experience? Um, yeah, it was an amazing opportunity, obviously. Um, London, I, I like London. It's okay. I, I can say I visited there. Um, the just being around the best athletes in the world at their sport was was one of the biggest things I took away. Um, the friendships I still have to this day from everybody. And then one of my favorite parts was walking out. So I did the heptathlon. That's seven events, 100 hurdles, high jump, shot put, 200, long jump, javelin, 800. Wow. So, <laughs> so walking out for the first event in front of 80,000 people, like a stands were full of people that doesn't happen for the heptathlon ever so just taking all that in for my first event the 100 hurdles but just being able to get right back into the zone to do what I was there for was that was one of my favorite takeaways from the Olympics absolutely um are all those events on the same day over five no. days? how does that work yes it's a two-day process um so four events on the first day and then the next three on the next day Aaron, you got anything? So what is the, like, is there a huge difference? And I would assume so, um, but the, the difference between training for the Olympics and training in college, mm -hmm. like, what, what is, is there, like, what type of differences is the training? Is it essentially, like, a lot more intense? Um, what do you think? Like, what was your experience in that? I would say as the transition the biggest part was just being more focused on that specific goal so I didn't have like so I moved to Ohio I didn't have as many friends I didn't have school to focus on either so I was solely an athlete training every single day and it was me and my coach out there every single day at the track so I didn't have teammates um so it was very, very specific and so focused on what we had to get done. So I feel like that was the biggest difference. Um, but that next level is, is always different from, from elementary to high school to college to um, elite or professional. So, yes, you just keep getting more in tune with what you're trying to accomplish pretty much. Right. Um, honestly, it's a blessing in disguise having the Olympics push back one more year for myself, just another year to learn more about javelin since I'm solely focused on that and not the whole heptathlon. I'm, I'm learning so much about this one event now. And that's what I was going to ask. Um, the Tokyo Olympics 2020 got moved to next year. Mm -hmm. So, um, and maybe your friends or you have uh, relay, uh, friends or whatever, like how does that affect them on, they can't work as a team, especially at the beginning of the year. I don't know. If um, Right. I, I mean, that the relays all come together at the end. Um, like after the Olympic trials, you have you'll just take like the top three, the top, obviously, four people that make the team for like the 100 meter dash. And then they are the team for the Olympics. So that's not something that they practice throughout the whole year. They just practice it once they come together um, at our training camp between the Olympic trials and then the competing at Tokyo. So, I mean, you know, track and field is not a team event. So, like I said, I'm sure tons of a ton of us are still the training just as normal without, I mean, 
there are the, the issues that people were training at NCAA facilities. So those have all closed down. So those people had to figure out other ways to train. I've seen people build um, runways in their backyards and just right. jumping at high schools. So we're finding our ways. <laughs> Absolutely. And you got anything? Go ahead, Antonio. Uh, yeah, so let's get into uh, when I saw you. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Um, I've been watching, uh, if the listeners don't know, um, this is the second season of the Titan Games. Um, I watched last year. Actually, I'm, I, I live in Atlanta, so I think the oh, team okay. one lives in Georgia or something like that. So I was like, she man, does. I wish I could, uh, you know, reach out to her and, you know, try to get her on the, on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Then I see this one person who uh, got invited, and then she won. I said, man, we would love to have her on, and obviously it's, you know, it's you. So do you mind telling us that process of uh, the call, if you had to put in for it, if you had to get selected, what was that whole process like? Yeah, so they did a little of both. They, you entered to have a chance to be on the show, and then they also were reaching out to people to be on the show. So I was reached out to through an um, Instagram message, and then I didn't think that was real, so <laughs> I didn't reply. And then a few days later, I got an email. I was like, okay, this is legit. So then I moved forward and set up um, an initial like Skype interview to like see if I was okay to move forward. And then I got invited to the combine that we had in January, just testing um, physical abilities out, make sure we could do certain things. And then a few days later, I got invited to the actual show. And then we filmed the first two weeks of February. And that's it. And you won. Well, uh, what's the uh, the championship? Uh, so I didn't. So I I became a Titan. I right, got to right. wear the black uniform and be like king right. of the throne for a couple of weeks, um, right. according to the show. A couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I got dethroned, and now I'm off the show. But it was quite the experience. Like I said, we shot the uh, we filmed the first two weeks of February, so it was exhausting. We were competing two three times a day sometimes and it like you can tell on my last time competing I was just done I was like I'm okay to go home it's okay <laughs> yeah that event looked pretty tough I think it was uh was like a bungee cord against you and the other female and you had to knock yeah out. we were just tied together and I mean looking back people after right after the show I got texts a ton of texts just saying that wasn't fair that girl had 20 pounds on you I was like <laughs> you guys are right yeah that wasn't fair at all <laughs> Yeah. But it was okay. I was fine with it. I remember hearing that Olympic athletes get paid. Obviously, like if they get a gold, silver, or bronze, they get, you know, mm-hmm. a gold medal is 25000 or something like that. So I forgot mm-hmm. the number, but they get paid when they win, right? Mm-hmm. But if you don't win, do you get any money? Like how, how does <laughs> no. that endorsements or how does that oh, work? Oh, yeah. So Olympic athletes are solely relying on sponsorships throughout our whole career. So it's been pretty rough um, training for, I guess, 10 years now, I believe I've been, almost 10 years I've been training as a professional. So I rely on sponsorships. Um, Yes, like you said, you get a bonus if you get a gold, silver, or bronze medal, different um, money amounts are rewarded for those. And then we look at our sponsors for having um, contracts with them for if I make the team, then you give me this bonus. If I medal, then you give me this bonus as well. So that's where we really rely on um, big, big chunks of income. And then throughout the year, they we rely on them giving us money as well for to make a living. 
so next year, I think 2021, most mm -hmm. sports, um, which I hope track and field are just other, the smaller sports are included in this as well. But mm -hmm. what, how do you feel about players in college? You know, I play college football. How do you feel mm -hmm. about, you know, those athletes getting paid for their likeness and endorsements and things like that? Oh, I think it's great. 100%. Um, five you? Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, yes. <laughs> yeah, because they're using our image, they're using our words, they're using us to make a profit. So those, those athletes definitely, I wish I was a part of that movement back in when I was in college. Yeah, for sure. Just, yeah, they deserve to be rewarded and start building their future. I'm with you. I'll be out there in a minute. You know, my little man out there on the foot on the football field. So I had to... How old is he now? Shit, you know, I got two boys. Shoot, six. He's six. The oldest boy don't want to play. He's soft. <laughs> oh. <laughs> he want he want to play soccer. Pat, you know, you want to do it all that. Yeah, he grew up to it, man. I love him to say he wants to play football. So, Cornbread, why don't you do the honors, bro? Introduce us to uh, introduce the world to who he got. Absolutely, man. Um, so what's up, world? Uh, you know, football's brought me close to a lot of people, man. And uh, today we got one of my brothers on. You know, we, we, we laughed together. We cried together. On the field, we bled together. Um, oh, actually, yeah. I think we had a, I think we had a handshake, too, but I don't remember the shit. So it is what it is. Yeah, but, uh, we had a handshake. You know, we had a handshake. But uh, we got Division One um, Illinois State's own coach, Keenan Hall, man. Welcome to A Square Podcast, man. Welcome. Hey, appreciate you guys, man. Uh, I really appreciate you guys bringing me on, man. Uh, 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 it, it's an honor, man, to to have one of my boys doing his thing and, and having the you know the pleasure of him bringing me on. That's it's an honor. We've we've come a long way, man. Thank you, man. Yes, we have. Um, so what we normally do, our first question to all the people that we um, have a conversation with, is man is. Tell, tell the world or the listeners a little bit about yourself, you know, where you grew up, obviously, you know, where you went to school, how you got there, whatever you want. All right. Well, you know, I'm Keenan Hall, uh, born and raised in Dallas, uh, inner city of Dallas, uh, you know, had a very humble, humbling uh, upbringing. Um, so I had to get everything uh, the hard way, earned uh, everything I got, um, you know, you know, I uh, was an adopted kid, didn't have mom, didn't have dad. Uh, so it wasn't it wasn't easy. Uh, almost flunked out of high school, all that good stuff. But, uh, you know, the, the Lord of Stirs uh, always had his had his, his, own, his hands around me. Uh, so um, growing up in Dallas, overcoming what I overcame in the uh, uh, junior year of high school, getting injured with a cracked uh, crack neck. So it messed with my recruiting. I was was about to commit to go to Baylor, and once they found out about my neck injury, they pulled their scholarship two days for signing day. But I had to go to junior college route to reprove myself. Went to Trinity Valley Community College in Athens, Texas. Uh, went there, balled out. You know, had had bigger offers. Could have thought I was going to go bigger. We didn't have a season we thought we were going to have. Still had still had some FBS offers. Uh, and 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 decided to my best friend and dad forced me actually to go on my visit to Illinois State because they wasn't even in my line of sight. You know, I was gonna stay closer to home, go to one of the group of five, you know, FBS schools, and uh, you know, 
my, my you know him, Coach Mac, uh, Coach Menifee, man, uh, weird dude, quirky, <laughs> uh, you know, white male. Uh, I'm from a predominantly black uh, background, you know, never really been around many you know, white people before I got into college, and he, he, I say he saved my life, to be honest with you. So um, he came and, you know, basically sold me, sold me a dream, man, and 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 it and it worked. So I ended up coming to Illinois State. Uh, had I thought, I mean, had a good season, had a good year, then I had a career-ending neck injury. I broke my neck in the second to last game of the season. Yeah. Uh, t- with two minutes and some seconds left in the fourth quarter in Western Western Illinois, I and uh, and we were starting to, you know, we were starting to find our groove, you know, and. So it it was it was very disappointing. Uh, wanted to come back and play, but you know, at the time, my 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 woman was pregnant with my daughter, and it was just a lot going on, man. Uh, where we come from, football is everything. So with that being taken away from me, so to speak, uh, you know, it, it kind of devastates you, you know. So uh, had to find another plan. Dallas, going back to Dallas, definitely wasn't a plan. Uh, most people from where I'm from, they either dead or in jail uh, on that corner or in that cell block. So um, I, I didn't want no part of that. So stayed there. The new head coach, Brock Spack, um, you know, you know, we, we, we didn't know each other, but, you know, to this day, I'm, I'm still rocking with him. And that what was that 11 years ago now. Yeah. Uh, it was about, yeah, about 10. Yeah. Cause he, yep. he was there my senior year. Yeah, yeah. He was our new coach, my, our senior year. So, yeah. So, been 10, 10 years now, 11 years now, and yeah, yeah. I'm still rocking with him, man. He's been taking care of me, made me promise to graduate college, and he'll he'll, he'll help me out. And it hasn't been easy, you know. You know, he's kicked me out the nest. I've had to go all the way out to New Mexico, go to Iowa. You know, I'm a Texas kid in Iowa. I was losing my mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but I end up finding my way back through hard work and dedication, and I never gave up, you know, and – Getting back to Illinois State in 2017, uh, you know, just as a, you know, kind of like an intern because, you know, everything kind of, you know, my kid, one of my boys got sick and I had to move back. And Coach Back once again, saved my life, man. He couldn't, he didn't have to do what he did. He created a position for me. Uh, I was in that position probably a month and then the defensive backs job opened up and I got promoted and then uh, was with defensive backs for four, for five years. Right. Uh, we went to the next championship, did all that good stuff. And then that? when uh, one of my mentors, Lamar Conard, who's my, my man, I, I swear I owe this man everything. Uh, Lamar Conard uh, moved on to a bigger school. Uh, he fought for me to get the running back's job and, and to be the recruiting coordinator. So, and I was one of the youngest recruiting coordinators, you know, in, in college football. And, you know, I, I've done my thing. So that's kind of me in a nutshell, man. Um, just, been a long journey, man. Long journey to I the thought, top, man. I, I thought that um, when you when you first said you had, you know, it was a tough upbringing. Mm-hmm. First thing that came to my mind was the fact that you have a Dallas Cowboys hat on, and I know. <laughs> well, I, I got to Hey, hey. It has to be crap. rough, bro. <laughs> I've been getting crap about my cowboy hat all day, man. Nah, man. You know, in my era, man, we were, you know, my upbringing, we were still good, man. We we won three, four Super Bowls when I was a, a little kid. We just, it's been it's been rough the last what twenty five years. That's a long but, you know, time. I'm a I'm a diehard man. I gotta I gotta love. Him. I gotta represent. Absolutely. Him, man. Gotta represent. You're you're 
you get the information that there won't be any football this year. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what was the first thing going through your mind? Like, walk us through that that process. It was kind of devastating, man. Uh, we have one of the top teams in the country. Right. And first thing I thought about was my seniors. You know, I thought about those guys that have worked their butts off for four to five years and to get to this point, and it's kind of like taken away from them. Um, and when I say we got one of the best teams in the country, uh, you know, we're, you know, we're a play uh, play away from probably playing the next championship last year. Right. So, um, and everybody pretty much returned. Uh, I think we had 19 starters return. So we're excited. Uh, it, was, it was heartbreaking, man. And then, like I said, the first thing I thought about was those seniors. And then it was like, well, you know, what do we do now? You know, because when they did it, they, they didn't leave a plan for us. Like right now, we don't have a plan. You know, we were kind of just flopping in the wind right now, trying to figure out what to do from here on forward. Uh, but of course, you know, we got a great leader and coach back where he just going, you know, he, he's leading us. You know what I mean? And we, we you know, as, as soldiers, we following and we're going to get it done. We're going to get some work in gonna get our team better because we still got to develop players you know if we're going into the spring the season gonna be in the spring we still got some room to develop uh to get even better you know uh of course we're gonna lose some guys there's gonna be some fluctuation as far as uh those seniors you know we have we have some nfl guys that you know the nfl is not you know the nfl is not changing so that we don't leave some, lose some of our top talent, some of our good talent to, to the NFL. But I think we uh, we've done a good job in our program that we we got some guys that's ready to step up. Um, I know the listeners be I'll be going on. Sometimes I bring up football stories. So tell us about the day in the life before COVID of a of a college student, and then a day in the life of a coach as well. So give us both aspects. Uh, so obviously before COVID for the students, man, it, it's hard. It's tough for these kids, and a lot of people don't understand. It's a full time job, you know. A lot of these kids get up at six, you know, sometimes five thirty in the morning, uh, work out, train, uh, then have to go to class uh, right after uh, for you know half of the day. Then they gotta obviously um, work out as far as lifting. You know, people don't understand <laughs> you practice and lift in the same, you know, yep. in the same day sometimes. Yep. And, and and then like I said, they got tutoring. Um, they you know some of these guys you know, have academic meetings. So they, they can, you know, they can be up till from, from 5 to 6 a.m. To, to 9, 10 p.m., you know, every some day. some of them work. Some of them work, And too. some of them work. Yeah, some of these guys work. So, you know, it's definitely not an easy life for the student athlete. I know everybody think everything's handed to them. They're school-fed, they stall, mm-hmm. but guaranteed this. They work their butts off to get everything they got. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 it's a very tough, touchy subject out there right now in the world about the student athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but, you know, they, they definitely work their butts off. And I think, you know, when a, a regular student, you know, try to, if they try to go through our regiment every day, uh, I don't think they'll survive, you know, uh, you know, when we talk about this all the time, you know, they say the, the human nature is, is lazy, you know, right. yeah. but you know, as a football player, you know, we, 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 we build that for them since we were what, six, seven years old. That structure, yeah. that discipline, that hard work, and like you just said, that translates into the real workforce. And you, you, you won't be—you'll be surprised how lazy your coworker or you know, you know, your boss might be, you know, mm. compared to what you're used to. You know what I mean? 
You know, we're we're used to getting up at five five thirty on the field by five forty five in the cold. You know, you know the tough times. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it made us stronger. Um, and as a player, that's what a player go through. And as a coach, man, you know, it's these long hours, man. I, I, I shoots. I can't. I can't. I can't tell you. You know, we. <laughs> you start stuttering. That's just, I, yeah. You know, it hit your soul. <laughs> oh, it hit my soul. You know. <laughs> you know, and, and then for me too. You know, I'm the recruiting coordinator. Three hours more onto my day every day. Uh, yeah. You know, that's that's twenty four seventy five. Um, but for us, you know, uh, for the COVID, man, it's it's you know, it's seven days a week, man. It's you know, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. You know, it's a lot of hours. You know, a lot of hours, man. So you know, we're putting in one hundred twenty clubs, probably around 120, 130 hours a week. That's um, and you know, I know people people were ranting rave about coaches' salaries and stuff sometimes. But hey, man, come do what we do. Come right. do, and you know, and it, it ain't just coaching football. It ain't no. just football we're doing. We're man building. Uh, you know, we're some of these kids' brothers. We're some of these kids' father figures, mentors, psychologists, whatever they need. You know, and we got to be there for them. Um, and so I think as a coach, you know, that, that daily that daily schedule is crazy. You know, you, we're up there before the kids, obviously. Uh, we have meetings pretty much all day. Uh, obviously, game planning and stuff like that. And you know, you know, Coach Track is man, he hands on with everything. So yeah. we, you know, I think that's a that's why we're one of the better programs in the country is because of the relationships and stuff we build, and that we are hands on with our players, and that we make sure academically that they gonna they strive for success, and that we're trying to keep them off the street in the community, and that we're you know we just doing going the extra mile for them. Uh, you know, we got an open door policy, open house policy, you know. You know, my phone sometimes, you know, rings at 1, 2 a.m. in the morning. Hey, coach, man, nah, <laughs> I need you. <laughs> hey, and guess what? I got to be there for them, you know, because I made that pledge to their parents that, hey, I'm going to extend the parent for them. And I'm, I'm gonna, I got to finish raising them, basically. So, right. you know, it, it's it's not easy being a, you know, a, a student, play, a ball player or a coach, but we signed up for it. And, and this is, you know, this is, this is what we love to do, you know. Um, so we got, uh, to the listeners out there, we got, uh, Keenan Hall on, um, the Illinois state, um, coach, um, division one, man. So, uh, before we get out of here, I'm gonna let, you know, we, we reached 12 countries plus man, um, with this platform that we have. So I'm definitely, I don't want to miss the opportunity, please. This is the time that you can use our platform as a recruitment tool, right? So some people might have some kids out there, daughters that might want to go to school or whatever. Oh, yeah. um, so, so tell tell the listeners the world, man, why Illinois State is the place to be, man. It could be football or just in general. Just in general, man, is is built and based off family. Uh, it's big big time family atmosphere. I think uh, when you come here, is is the, the professors, the community, uh, and, and everybody is so welcoming. Uh, and I think just the, 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 the success everyone have when they get a degree from here. They call us the Harvard of the Midwest. Uh, you know, we got a great business school. Education is obviously huge here. Uh, yeah. But, you know, 20-plus thousand students here, and it's feel like a mini Big, tw- big Ten school, mini Big Ten campus. Uh, and it's a beautiful campus, uh, very clean town. State Farm headquarters is low, located here, which is – one of the top uh, revenue and com- uh, companies in the country, uh, I think top two. Uh, so as you know, 
they 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 debit a big time and country companies as well as another fortune 500 company in town so we're very clean State lucrative farm. town state yeah. farm uh so uh we're, we're 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 in a good spot we're in a good situation um we, we do a good job you know just in general like i said this place saved my life uh coming from where i came from opportunities was 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 rare uh but when i came to Illinois State, they made them feel endless and um you know, I'm still kicking right now, and I give all thanks to Illinois State, you know. Facts, facts. Um, so how can people reach you, man, and then, you know, kind of sprinkle in what's what's next for you, man? Okay. Uh, yeah, you can reach me on uh, on on Twitter. It's Coach K underscore, underscore Hall, or you can reach me on Instagram. All right, man, that's what's up. A-Squared Podcast. Make sure that you guys subscribe on the YouTube channel. Uh, bigger things to come.